You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. things about the time of the end of the world as we know it just as John does in the book of Revelation and Daniel sees one like a son of man and that becomes a messianic title Jesus referred to himself as the son of man he's not saying I'm just human he's saying I'm a unique human unlike any other human because I am the Messiah God come in the flesh Make no mistake, Jesus said that he was God. The title Son of Man was first used in Daniel, and through his life, Jesus used that title to describe himself. It shows up again in Revelation. Pastor Danny is beginning a series on the book of Revelation today, and it opens with the Son of Man appearing to John on the island of Patmos. Jesus appeared to John on the island where he's been exiled for following Jesus, and Jesus brings him encouragement for the church. Revelation is filled with encouragement for us today, Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Revelation chapter 1 with today's edition of The Living Word. Revelation chapter 1. I love uh, doing an overview of the whole book of Revelation. For whatever reason, I did feel led to do that this time. So as we get into this book, we need to understand some things about the book of Revelation. It is the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the Antichrist. Some people get excited and say, study about the Antichrist. Why do you get excited about studying about the Antichrist? Some people want to know who he is. We aren't told who he is. So it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. The outline for the book is given to us early on, chapter 1, verse 19. Here's the outline for the book. Write, therefore, what you have seen. The angel speaking to John the Apostle who received this book of the revelation what you have seen history in John's life what is now revelation 2 and 3 seven letters to seven churches they are not all the churches that existed in that day they are seven churches chosen sovereignly by God and the messages directly from Jesus to those churches are messages for the church age so they're messages for us third part of the outline What you have seen, what is now, what is now is the church age. And what will take place later? That is the majority of the book of the Revelation because it reveals for us events that will take place during a time known as the Great Tribulation. It's also called the time of Jacob's trouble. If you're a student, you like making notes, Jeremiah 30 verse 7. 
The time of Jacob's trouble. Why? Jacob representing the nation of Israel. And it'll be a time of trouble for Israel as well as the entire world. But one of the things that God does during the great tribulation period is purge the nation of Israel in their blindness of not acknowledging that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. There is a remnant of Jews. We call them Messianic Jews. They acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. But as a whole, the nation of Israel, they are in spiritual blindness. They don't acknowledge, they will not admit that Jesus is indeed Messiah. But during the tribulation, they will be purged. Now, there'll be a lot of bad things and a lot of people dying, and that just is what it is. Israel will suffer as a nation, but there'll be a purging. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 21, then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. So the book is written to encourage the saints, to warn the world, yes, but more so to encourage the saints. God tells us how it's going to end. And he tells us so that nobody should be surprised that it's going to go from bad to worse to like never has happened in the history of the world. It's going to be so bad, worse than it's ever been. And then Jesus comes back. And we win. We're on the winning side. Chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. John. Now, I'm going to snail my way through here, and then we're going to make a very clear point from chapter one before we're done. John is the apostle who was the brother of James. They were fishermen. They came from a fishing family. One day Jesus comes by while they're with their father in the boat and they're fishing and Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they left the father and the boat and the fishing business and became followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus dubbed James and John sons of thunder. Why do you think he would do that? Because they had tempers. At one point in Jesus' ministry, they want to call down fire on the Samaritans because of the way the Samaritans treated Jesus. And Jesus turned and rebuked James and John, the sons of thunder. In time, thank God, they would be molded and shaped and become more like Jesus and less like the old James and John. John became known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now he loved all of his disciples, but John ended up having this special relationship with Jesus. By the time John wrote the book of the Revelation, he was the last survivor of the 12 apostles. He himself provided oversight spiritually, pastorally, to the churches of Asia Minor for almost 30 years. Now, why is that important background information? Because John, known, known to the churches, even if you've never met him, you knew who he was. 
And so his testimony, his word had clout in the church and among the churches. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. And they trusted John. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse three, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So he's saying, blessed are those who read it. Blessed are all those also who hear it in times like these, when we're going to study it. And I'm going to do my best to teach it. You'd be blessed if you read it. You'd be blessed if you sit under the teaching of the book of the Revelation. Last Monday morning, aside from my regular assigned Bible reading for the day, my devotional Bible reading, I sat down and read through the entire book of the Revelation. And what a fresh blessing. It only took 45 minutes and I wasn't in a hurry. I encourage you, if you've never sat and read the book, some pastors say, don't read the book, you'll get all confused. It's the only book that promises specifically a blessing if you'll just read it. So why are pastors telling people not to read it? I'm telling you, read it. Was that clear enough? <laughs> Verse 4, John. To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne. Don't let that confuse you. It's really more literally the sevenfold spirit. We have one God, but he's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Not three gods, one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Great mystery, but true. One God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We have one spirit, but sevenfold. Isaiah will help you out. You can write down Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. The Spirit of the Lord. That's the first characteristic of the sevenfold spirit. The Spirit of the Lord. Jehovah, Yahweh. And then it goes on, the spirit of wisdom, of understanding, of counsel, power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, sevenfold characteristic. Verse five, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. The Jehovah's Witnesses like to use this among other verses where this word firstborn connected with Jesus Christ is used. And they will say, and their doctrine states, that Jesus is the first one born of Elohim. He's a created God. That's why they changed John chapter 1 to Jesus being God with a little g. He's a created God. But that's not what the Word of God teaches. Love the Jehovah's Witnesses. Hate their doctrine. The word is prototokos. It's a Greek word that means the preeminent one. And just think about it practically. He's not the first one risen from the dead. He's the preeminent one risen from the dead. To him who loves us and has freed us from our own sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve as God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Look, he's coming with the clouds. He is coming. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. Why are they going to mourn? Because they're not ready. They're not looking forward to his coming. 
Oh, they're saying Jesus Christ, but it's not in praise. Jesus Christ. He's coming. The earth will mourn because of him because they're not ready, but you don't have to be like them. So shall it be. Amen. Verse 8, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. The first letter of the alphabet, the last letter of the alphabet, and everything that comes in between. Says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now here's where it gets personal. Verse 9, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. We will come back to that verse because that's the one the Lord had me honed in on. Verse 10, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Now, before we read on, another pause, important historical background information that has a point. John said I was on the Lord's day and I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's Day is the translation of a Greek word that was used primarily to describe, to describe the Emperor's Day. Rome was ruling, and you had these Roman emperors, and they presented themselves as gods. Uh, one of the ones who presented himself as God uh, the most was Domitian, and he just happened to be ruling at the time of John's life and ministry. The Emperor's Day, the Roman world, which was basically the world of the day, on that very day, while all the world is bowing before a human false god, God invades the island of Patmos and one of his choice servants and reveals himself. I love it. On the Lord's day I was in the spirit, I heard behind me a voice like a trumpet. It said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. Why is... Like a son of man in parenthesis. It is in my Bible. Because it is from Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. Where Daniel in receiving vision and prophetic things about the time of the end of the world as we know it. Just as John does in the book of Revelation. And Daniel sees one like a son of man. And that becomes a messianic title. Jesus referred to himself as the son of man. He's not saying I'm just human. He's saying I'm a unique human unlike any other human because I am the Messiah, God, come in the flesh. He sees one among the lampstands like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet as his priestly robe with a golden sash around his chest. A belt made of pure gold would only be worn by someone with immense wealth, power, and authority. And you won't find anybody with more of those than 
Jesus. Verse 14, his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes like blazing fire. Value, preciousness, purity. And his eyes, penetrating scrutiny. He sees all. He knows all. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Every time I read that, I flash back in my mind as a young Christian to my only time visiting Niagara Falls. And if you've ever heard it, majestic. Feet like bronze glowing in a furnace. Bronze biblically speaks of judgment and he is the divine judge. And he judges rightly because he sees all, he knows all. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword, the word of God. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Now, before I read the next verse, John had seen Jesus. John followed Jesus, basically hung out with him for three years. John was one of the apostles that had the unique privilege to be handpicked by Jesus to go up onto a high mountain. And while they're together, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, he was transfigured, Jesus was before them. They saw his glory. But if I'm understanding the Bible correctly, they didn't see the full manifestation of his glory like John does here. Because, verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. I don't wonder what's going to happen when we see it. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And then he placed his right hand on me. What grace. <laughs> Here he is. He's like dead. <laughs> don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. That's like saying, again, Alpha and Omega. Hey, I'm the beginning, I'm the end, and look, I've always been in control, I'm still in control. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and hell. You want to have a good relationship with somebody that has the keys of death and hell. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels or the messengers of the seven churches. My opinion, they're the lead pastors, senior pastors, key leaders, whatever you want to call them, of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So much here. Oh, man. But I go back to chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. There are two words that John uses to describe his situation. One, and I'm not trying to be impressive. I'm not a Greek scholar. You know, you just have great Bible programs now and you can know what the Greek words mean. 
And the one word is flipsis. And it's important to know what it means. It, it's a word that means I feel trapped. Pinned to the wall. Unable to move or negotiate a way out of my circumstances. John says that's how he felt on the island of Patmos. The second word is the word gnomai. And gnomai means a shock. Surprise. It's something unanticipated. It's something unexpected that happens. John's saying in a way that I could never have expected, predicted, or anticipated. I came to find myself on the island of Patmos. One of the highlights of my pastoral ministry was a few years ago, we visited the island of Patmos. We took a tour. And I got to do an overview, about a 40-minute overview of the book of Revelation on the island of Patmos. I get Jesus bumps just thinking about it. It was a highlight. It's about 24 miles off the coast of modern Turkey, uh, about 60 miles from the ancient city of Ephesus, uh, 10 miles long, 6 miles wide. In the day John wrote the book, Patmos was a prison where the most notorious criminals were sent. Murderers, thieves, robbers, insurrectionists, etc., etc. Patmos was the Alcatraz of the ancient Roman world. Now, for those of you who are younger, Alcatraz, Alcatraz is uh, San Francisco Bay, off the coast there, shark-infested water. It's not functioning now, but it was a prison, and it was an American prison where we sent the most notorious criminals. It was the most secure prison. Even if you escape, uh, you, where are you going to go? You swim the shark-infested waters, you get eaten up. Unless you're Clint Eastwood. <laughs> if you saw the movie. I think he got out. Well, he got out. I think he made it. He still, he did make it. He's still living in California. <laughs> the Alcatraz of the ancient Roman world. Um, they tell us one day the elderly apostle John was at his home in Ephesus where he was living at the time and somewhere around the year 93 AD, Roman soldiers suddenly burst into his house, arrested him, chained and shackled him, put him on a ship, carried him to Rome and he had to stand before Domitian, the God emperor. Domitian tried to force John to bow and burn incense to an idol. John refused. Domitian was incensed. Domitian took John, ordered that he be thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil. He survived. You say, how does that happen? It's called a miracle. Domitian, because he couldn't kill him, just like Nebuchadnezzar with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, only Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged their God after that. Domitian didn't do that. Domitian said, well, if I can't kill the dude, I can't get rid of him. And he banished him to Patmos. And John says, I was shocked. It wasn't anticipated. And I would love to have negotiated a way out of my situation. Jesus. I want to remind us of something about Jesus. Now, maybe this is ABC. He's God. That's clear. All kind of scriptures that, 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 that proclaim him. He's God come in the flesh. He's just as human 
as every one of us. Today on The Living Word, Pastor Danny Hodges has been teaching through a series from the Book of Revelation. Though deemed as a bit daunting, Revelation is actually full of so much hope. It's not just about judgment, it's about Jesus. It's about the hope that we have in Him because He wins. He defeats darkness and makes all things new. What hope we have in the light of the world? Here at The Living Word, we understand how strange this must seem to those who don't know Christ, but what better way for them to experience Him than through you? We pray that you keep tuning in to this series to learn the truth that's revealed in God's Word. We also pray that as you grow in Him, the people around you will come to know Jesus as well in a profound way. Would you also be willing to pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and foremost. We're constantly in need of His guidance, so please pray that we would recognize His voice and His direction. Thanks so much for praying about this. Before we leave you today, if you live in or near the St. Petersburg area, all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you come join us for one of our weekend services. Just go to ccfstpete.church and get directions and service times. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word.